Who are you, then? Just a fly in the ointment, Hans. The monkey in the wrench. A pain in the ass. You have me at a loss. You know my name, but who are you? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Another orphan of a bankrupt culture who thinks he's John Wayne, Rambo, Marshal Dillon. I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. I really like those sequined shirts. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Hey, motherfucker. Critical lens. I am one of Santa's little babies, Ethan Willard, and I'm another baby, Andy. Yeah, you are, you big baby, baby Andy. And I'm very excited because it's finally our Lord's month. Thank, uh, thank God. Well, technically, right now it's November, but the time by the time you're hearing this, it will be December. So Santa's coming down, baby. Are so you finally ready? our intro makes sense? <laughs> <laughs> it was like we'll just do it forever. Yeah, I don't yeah, I'm I'm never gonna stop doing it, so unless you wanna pick a new you... holiday. We, we ho, could... ho ho just comes off the tongue so well. <laughs> I don't know, like what would you do? Like Easter or something? Like hop 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 hop, hop. Uh, it's fun having a podcast with your best friend, right, y'all? It's pretty good. Um, if you like our intro song, it is uh, Two Mellows, The Welcoming, off of Atmospheric Core Music Volume 2, so go give them a listen if you like it. Um, and today we are talking about uh, the seminal Die Hard, 1988's Die Hard, um, which is... Apparently, there's a lot of hubbub in in amongst people who like this movie. Is like, is it an action movie or is it a Christmas movie? Um, I don't care, is what I'm here to say. Um, what I unfo- do you think? I unfortunately kind of do care, but uh, but uh oh, I've been thinking about it today, and it's it's hard. It's hard. I I, I don't know. I'm not like a, a hard lined guy because i can understand arguments on both sides i think i think just maybe culturally it is but i think if i'm being very critical i would say it's not not a christmas movie not really because i i heard this argument recently where someone was like if you removed that element from the movie would it be missing anything and my answer would be no it'd be missing for me well yeah because you know it as what it is but if it was oh, just... and because I love Christmas, yeah, yeah, you do. But I, 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 I agree. It's an action movie in during Christmas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I um, tell people. 
Yeah. Um, so we'll get into that in a second here, but as we always do, um, we start out with a little recommendations, things we've been liking lately, watching, eating, cooking, playing, whatever. So Andy, what you been liking? Do do you do you write Rex in your notes as W E R C K as well? <laughs> I did it for I the don't. first time. I felt I felt wild. I actually don't write my Rex down. They're all off the top of the off, dome, baby. Off the dome. Oh my god. I do have. I mean, they're prepared. I just don't write anything down about them. No, that's cool. I have a terrible memory, and I I'm would, a cool guy. I would probably forget to say all the things that I wanted to say, unless I like yeah. rehearsed lines, which I'm definitely not going to do. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I forget to say stuff all the time because I don't write them down. So maybe I should start writing stuff down. But yeah, it's been 33 years. So I've tried to use a planner so many fucking times in my life being like, this is the time that I'm going to keep a planner. And I just never, I never keep one. So here we are. Dude, tell me about it. It's it's like you're just trying to cover your bases, but then you don't even like get to it. (laughs) Laura is like she has like I think at least two planners, maybe three. She is a planner fiend. And that I respect that so much. Is Rick that way? Yeah, she yeah. she's great. Like she sets goals, like daily goals, monthly goals, oh all this daily. Shit. And she's like accomplishing them. Good for her. Meanwhile, I got an action movie podcast. Hey, that's a goal. No, that's what I'm. I'm saying it's good. That's what I have going for me. Yeah. Suck it. Well, anyway, I'm gonna recommend astral projection. Whoa. Ooh. So, <laughs> like the concept? Pretty much. So, huh. um, Rick's sister sent us uh, a couple of books in the mail. Shouts out, Lauren. Thank you so much. Um, one of the books she sent was The Projection of the Astral Body by Sylvan Muldoon and Hereward Carrington. Um, Oof. <laughs> the, the second guy, Hereward, is his first name, and I thought that that's like a really cool name. And I That is a very cool name. Never heard so of that before. Sylvan Muldoon, my yeah. god. <laughs> They're cool. But uh, so I started reading it recently. I didn't get very far yet, but it's good so far. Um, I have oh. written another book about astral projection called Journeys Outside of the Body by Robert A. Monroe. And you told me about that a while ago, I think. Yeah, and it's the whole concept is so interesting, and it like <sighs> it's it's like uh, this shit is right up my alley. I don't know if I should, I'll just say like what it is. Basically the concept of like being able to send your yourself outside of your body. Like the concept that like our bodies are a vehicle in the physical world that we, you know, perceive. And then, but then there's also an astral body, which is also a, a, a vehicle for, you know, your quote unquote soul. And, you know, like, it's stuff that we've heard about forever, like when people have like near death experiences, et cetera, or like even like you, you like rise out of your body and like you see your body on the bed below you. It's like it's like all these like similar concepts. But mm-hmm. the, all of these authors, they talk about in their books how it just started like happening to them. 
um, the book that I'm reading now, the guy said it started just happening to him when he was a kid. Um, the book that I read before, Robert by Robert A. Monroe, he it just kind of happened to him in his adulthood, mm. and um, he you know thought he was crazy. He didn't really talk about it to his family. He likes he like talked to psychiatrists and scientists, whoever, just to be like, have you heard of this? What do you know about this? Like, am I actually crazy? And and one of his friends, a psychiatrist, was like, I suggest that you just um, explore it. Just like take notes, do experiments, and just see how it goes. Huh. And, and um, the more he did it, the better he got at it. And he he went to all these weird places. And, and it was interesting because I grew up Christian and knowing a lot about like stuff in the Bible, there's a lot of I would say parallel concepts, if they're the same thing, that wouldn't surprise me. But just like the concept of like ghosts and demons and, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, like a world that you could call heaven, at like a God figure, like all these different things. Like he kind he doesn't say that, like, this is that same thing within religion. But like, as I was reading, I was like, oh, that's interesting. That could be this thing and that thing. So. I'm not saying it's all real or false, but um, I just find it very interesting to. to I think mean, about go it. ahead, fucking. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> this stuff is super interesting to me, and you're. I think you're gonna like one of my wrecks this week. <laughs> Sick. But I just wanted to um, kind of lump in all the things that um, I've kind of consumed within that umbrella. Um, so the guy who wrote Journeys Outside of the Body, he opened the Monroe Institute, which is uh, like a nonprofit research and education organization. And they, they explore like human consciousness. It's located in Virginia. And they also have a podcast called expanding on consciousness, which I found yeah. out about today that I want to check out. Um, cool. I don't know. I don't know anything about it, but it sounds cool. And I think it, it kind of goes like within their program. Oh, so yeah. they, they do this thing. Oh, what's it called? Um, I forget what the term is, but basically it's like using vibrations to kind of get the two hemispheres of your brain to kind of um, align in frequency, if that makes sense. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that's supposed to allow you to just, you know, explore consciousness and stuff. Yeah. Um, Like, you know, like help you sleep or help you get through emotional stuff, etc. And then... um, Kind of how I got introduced to the whole concept was this guy Ingo Swan. He um he coined Why does t- every foremost <laughs> academic of astral projection have the coolest names? They do. They all have the coolest names. It's crazy. Maybe you have to have a cool name first before you're allowed to do it. Can project. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So he came up with the with the term remote viewing instead of astral projection. Um. He worked on the Stargate Project, which was the Defense Intelligence Agency. They were like investigating psychic capabilities for military and defense intelligence use. Mm. And he also apparently had um, allegedly had ties to to like high level info within the CIA regarding like extraterrestri- extraterrestrials and alien s- stuff like that. Um yeah, just like seeing if they could use that concept to, you know, spy on people or whatever. But, um, you know, that that project was real. But whether or not these people can do that, I don't know. It's still yeah, like 
like MK Ultra or whatever yeah, the fuck yeah. that was. Yeah, yeah, Um and then also he just I would highly recommend checking out his art. He um yeah, mm. he, he astral projects and then paints what he sees. Whoa. And he, he and he like talks about like, you know, going to Jupiter and stuff like that and you know, visiting <laughs> like creatures and all this cool stuff. So, and his, That's his wild. Yeah, his paintings are really cool. So definitely check out Ingo Swan. That's I N G O S W A N N. But yeah, reading this book and so far it's pretty cool. Oh, and also in both books they actually write out how you you too can astral project. Like step by step stuff if you practice it that you can one day also leave your body. Yeah, it's like lucid dreaming. Kind of. You ever Not do that? Really. No, that freaks me out. I don't want to be inside my dreams. <laughs> I I have lucid dreamt uh, several times in my life, and I need to figure out how to do it more because it's really fun. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh, I had I had a friend years ago who was like really into that stuff. Yeah, it's super fun. And then uh, for my second recommendation, kind of I was like. I didn't want to do just one recommendation, and I guess I technically just I mean, did, you can. did three, <laughs> a three in one, but yeah. I wanted to do like a second topic, essentially, and I was like thinking about, all, like I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I was mm-hmm. trying to think about what one could maybe go along with this, and I was just like, I'll just recommend my favorite podcast I've ever listened to, The End of the World with Josh Clark. Um, oh. So... And never told me about this one. Oh, cool. This is perfect. So uh he he talks about some similar things. It's it's more like grounded in science, not as like spiritual, if you will. But um yeah, so it, it came out in twenty eighteen, so it's like a little older, but I wanted to talk about it in case people haven't heard it because it's so sick. So the guy Josh Clark, he's half of stuff you should know, which is like super popular. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like in the top ten podcast um but i i really really like him a lot he's like super smart he's really fun to listen to talk um very yeah very funny um it's like a limited series is 10 episodes total and basically it talks a lot about different topics uh concerning like existential threats like to human humanity like he talks about like super disease like the particle collider like cosmic events, like things that could just like wipe out humans from existence. Nice. And, and <laughs> it's bleak, but it's like <laughs> super, it's just so interesting. It's so cool. Yeah. Uh, so continuing on, like, um, so he, he talks about the Fermi paradox, which is like, you know, the likelihood that intelligent life exists somewhere out there mm-hmm. is very high. But there's also like such a lack of evidence that that does exist. So it's pisses like, me off. This this paradox. It's like, well, are they like so far away that they haven't gotten to us yet, or yeah, or like do they are they not as advanced to get to us? Like you know whatever. Um, and then also the the great filter, which is like, if we just say that like okay we know that we're basically the only intelligent life we're aware of. 
um, if there was intelligent life, why isn't it still also around? Like mm. the great filter being that intelligent life has been wiped out somewhere else. Like, and like the idea of, did we pass that already? And that's why we're as advanced as we are, or oh, is, is the great filter ahead of us and we just haven't met it yet. <sighs> so, <laughs> and, and like he talks about, you know, Oh, it's a ladder. He talks about like uh, climate change and stuff. And, you know, if we were to be able to like harness energy from the sun and we would essentially have, you know, sustainable energy forever. And then that could then, you know, um, a Dyson sphere. Yeah. You're familiar. (laughs) It's a video game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a really cool concept. Um, I definitely recommend checking it out if you haven't. It's a great listen. Um, yeah, super cool. Man, I didn't know. I don't know why. I've known you for a long, long time, but I ne- for some reason never thought you're all that stuff you just mentioned is like very my shit, and is why I read a ton of sci-fi. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I'll have to bring it up more. Absolutely. When we small talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're just like talking about work and like dumb shit yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not stuff that matters. No. Nice. Are those your uh those your two? That's it. Beautiful. Um so mine are mine are kind of connected to one another. Um I started watching this show uh on Hulu called uh A Murder at the End of the World. Um and it is the IMDb calls it a Gen Z murder mystery. Oh yeah. I don't know what is Gen Z about it potentially because I don't really know what defines Gen Z. Do they say like um, n- no cap all the time? Oh my god. I guess I guess maybe that's it because like the main character is like pretty young. Uh uh she is 24. Um so I guess that's what, but like, it's not like, it's, it's not like, it's not like a super, like all the other characters aren't like Gen Z or anything like that. Like she's the youngest one in the show. Um, but it's a, so the main character Darby is a, it start it starts the show. She's doing a reading for her new book. Uh, she wrote, a true crime novel about a murder that she actually solved. Uh, she's like a, uh, uh, what do you call him? A- a- amateur detective or like, you know, mm-hmm. she, she, she likes looking at, you know, stuff on Reddit and like trying to figure it out and stuff like that. Um, and so she's doing a reading for her book, this me like super rich tech mogul, uh, invites her out to his super swanky hotel in Iceland for a like a like a meeting of the minds. He invited like her and like ten o- other people that are like you know super smart. Like one is um, one is an astronaut and is developing research into how we could potentially uh, colonize the moon. Another one is like. Uh, uh, God, why am I blanking on it? Oh, another one is like creating 
uh, robotics for like accessibility and things like that. So it's like it's supposed to be like a like a like a think like a mini think tank retreat type thing. Uh, but then somebody gets murdered. Ah, shit. Um, and uh, so she start, and it's somebody very close to her, somebody from her past who also happens to get invited. Um, and so it's just like it's so beautifully done, and so like very, the filming it's just fantastic. the The editing is incredible. The writing is really stellar. Again, I don't know what makes it Gen Z because if Gen Z's like this, they seem pretty nice. Yeah, um, I never met one. Yeah, I mean, well, my nieces and nephews, but they're nice too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So, and so the reason why these two kind of go hand in hand, so this show is written, or not written, it's, it was created by uh, Britt Marling, and I'm going to get the second person's name wrong. Hold on, please hold. Zal Bat Batmanglish. That is my best shot mm-hmm. at trying to pronounce his name. Um, but they are two longtime like writing partners and creators. Um and they've worked on stuff they've you know, they've worked on a lot of stuff in the past. And so the second one, this is this kind of uh introduced me to them. Um, there's only, I think, four episodes out on Hulu, but I really recommend it so far. It's like a very nicely paced murder mystery um, and very unique. Um, and so they, the show they did before then was called The OA, which as I was talking to Andy before the show, um, I started watching after I like looked her up. Britt Marling, and I was like, huh, that name sounds familiar. I wonder what else she's done. And said, I saw the OA, which is a show that I've heard about for years now, but have not watched because I've just like, opinions on it are all over the map. Um, I think it's like pretty well critically regarded, but like every person that has talked to me about it has given me a wildly different opinion. Uh, so I finally took a chance on it, and who daddy do I like it very much? It is very quickly rocketing into like one of my favorite shows of all time. Whoa! Um, it is. Uh, again, it's like it's. It, I don't know how to explain it because there is a lot going on, and I and I wouldn't want to spoil anything because I think it's I think it's good going in with without knowing too much. But I'll give you the basic. The very most basic premise. A woman who is blind and was kidnapped seven years ago turns up and now she can see. Mm. That is the most basic premise I can give you. But then it gets into a whole bunch of stuff as she kind of slowly divulges her story and things like that. Um, Yeah, so the show, again, was written... Uh, was created by Brit and Zal. Brit actually stars in the show. Um, I'm saying this like I know them by a first name basis. I don't. Brit. Cool. <laughs> um, but uh, it de- it deals with a lot of like what you were talking about with kind of like astral projection. Um, kind of, 
I, you know, the self identity, um, resi- like just resilience, resiliency, like it can be dark at times and kind of defeating, but there's, I'm just so in awe by the show because it is truly very strange and you just don't see things like that very often. And it's just like, it's so commendable um, that they put something like this out into the world and Netflix sucks ass for canceling it after two seasons and they had five planned. Oh Um, no. So I don't know. Maybe if this new show that they're doing does well, they'll like somebody else will pick up the OA so that they can finish it off. Netflix did offer them to do a movie to conclude their story and they turned them down because that's not how they wanted to finish the story. Oh, I love Um, that. Yeah, I really respect that. Uh, but God, the performances are so good. It just is, it, it's really touched me in a way that shows haven't done in a while. Um, it's just such a beautifully human show. Um, mm. And, and, and I, I can't recommend it enough. It is very weird though. But I think in a weird, now that you're just talking about that, uh, everything you're just talking about i think a weird that you'd really like if you ever wanted to give it a shot uh, yeah that's what i'm saying man like you can't trust people when people are like just hating on shit like maybe it went over their head and like it can just like check it out for yourself and get your own it's, yeah your it's own a, opinion yeah. yeah yeah it's it's such a good reminder because sometimes i think i do weigh reviews too heavily in my mind and it's a good reminder to kind of just like, you know, watch something or play something or read something for yourself and, and then figure it out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Also, I wanted to ask you um, in, in the first show you were talking about, um, she was invited to the meeting of the Minds camp because she's really good at Reddit or like what's her... What it's, is- yeah, it's funny. So... Uh, the guy who who like is this big tech mogul, he invited five of the people, and then his wife invited four uh, the other four, and she uh, the main character Darby was invited by the wife because the wife is like super into like art and stuff like that, and like really was touched by Darby's book, so invited her out because of that. I also thought that was kind of funny, and she even comments in the show, like, this seems fucking weird. Um, <laughs> but both are just, both are, I'm I'm very excited to see where uh, a murder at the end of the world goes, and I'm very sad that I probably won't know the end of the story to the OA anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, but I'm excited. I I finished the first season, so at least I got one more season. So what are you going to do? Anyway, those are our wrecks. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we are going to get into the production zone. production zone before we do that a quick synopsis for y'all of die hard do you ever wish you could just have a nice holiday break in which you extend an olive branch to your estranged wife and finally fix what's broken 
Have you ever hoped that your holiday party doesn't get crashed by several extremely angry and well-dressed German terrorists? If you're John McClane, I have some really bad news for you. You see, Johnny Mac, that's my nickname for Bruce Willis's character, didn't even want to come to California, but here he is, an out-of-place, roughneck, don't-take-no-shit NYPD cop that just wants to mend the fence between him and his wife, Holly Gennaro, played by Bonnie Bedelia, and leave the Golden State as soon as possible. Well, you know what they say about best laid plans. Unfortunately, John and Holly's marriage counselor is Hans Gruber, played by Alan Rickman, and they are about to have an extremely chaotic counseling session. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfuckers. If you've never seen this movie and you don't know what the synopsis is, I don't know what to tell you. It's like such a ubiquitous movie. Yeah. I'm not going to like actually give a like real synopsis for it. Uh, but with that, Andy, take it away. Yeah, you're so right. I feel like I've seen this movie before I've seen this movie. You know what I mean? It's just like so, it's like such a pop culture icon. It's, it's so like funny. one of the first action movies my dad watched with me. <laughs> Nice. He's like sitting you down. Yeah. He's like, a father-son oh, moment. Oh, young boys got to watch this movie. <laughs> this is what real men look like. Oh, you Willard motherfuckers got to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> did he do My it? My dad's one-on- really cool. <laughs> did he do it? Did he do it one-on-one with each of you? <laughs> yeah. It's like a coming of age thing. And he like it was like a um it was like you know at the beginning of twenty eight days later with like those monkeys like tied to a chair and like their eyes are like pried open. It was kinda yeah. like that. Damn. Yeah. That's aggressive. Yeah. Dad. That's parenting. Yeah, I know. Parenting's yeah. really hard. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to figure out what's best. Mm. Well, I'm gonna repeat some of the things that you said, but it's gonna be worth it, I promise. Uh-huh. So, yeah, like you said, Bruce Willis stars as NYPD cop John McClane. And interestingly enough, this, I mean, maybe not that interestingly enough because this came out a long time ago, but this was Bruce's first action role as he was known as a rom-com actor. Interesting. Which, which worked out well because the movie's funny and he's very funny in it. So, he is funny, yeah. So that's cool. And he is visiting L.A. to attend his wife Holly's company Christmas party. Holly's played by Bonnie Bedelia. I thought she was great. I thought she. I was love really, her. Yeah, her character was really cool. And her staff are soon taken hostage by a well-organized team of German criminals led by Hans Gruber, played by Alan Rickman. Which this, and it's you know, this is a film of first. Apparently, this was his first ever role in a film. Period. What? Yeah, he was like on TV, and I think he did some um, like live stage stuff. But this was his first. Holy moly! His first film, and he was incredible. Way to knock it out of the park, Alan Rick. Yeah, guys. Good oh job. Oh my god! Also, way to cast a really charismatic bad guy. Hmm. Is there uh, like what? Do you have any? And I, you might be getting to this, but what made them pick him? I honestly did, didn't come across anything around that. I know that he was reluctant to be in an action movie because I think he's just like... If that I was Alan of... Rickman, I would be too. <laughs> yeah, but I think he made the right choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, more on Alan Rickman before we move on. Um, 
just you know just kind of like talking about his life a little bit he um he battled prostate cancer in 2005 and then he had a minor stroke in 2015 where he found out he was diagnosed with a terminal case of pancreatic cancer and then had passed away in 2016 at the age of 69 so very unfortunate i didn't very know that that's what he passed from that's so sad yeah very very hard yeah and you know um he was you know great great performer great guy um i've i've read people writing you know talking about how like how sweet and gentle he was as a person in real life and i do not doubt that one bit um, yeah yeah great person um and then also to kind of touch on uh Bruce Willis Willis's experience as well real life stuff um his family announced in uh February that he had been diagnosed with dementia. Yeah, this has bummed me out immensely. Yeah, and he is yeah, he's currently 68, so yeah, also another, you know, great um artist who who yeah, is uh, retired unfortunately. Yeah, if if I read this somewhere, but like people have given him a lot of uh, shit in his like later uh, kind of career because he's put he's 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 put out a ton of like direct to video movies, um, like multiple a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And from what I understand, he was doing that because he was trying to build a nest egg for his family. So that they oh. wouldn't have to worry about anything uh, yeah. once he's like can't really take care of himself anymore. Yeah, it's very sad. Very sad. But yeah, I wish. And I'm best. I'm a big I'm a big Bruce guy. I mean, like I said, action movies are like one of the few things uh, me and my dad bonded uh, with when I was younger, and Bruce Willis was like a pretty prominent part of that. Oh, cool. Was there, was um, Die Hard like the main one or was there like another? Die Hard was a big one for sure. Um, there's a really good movie that my dad fucking loves called, oh shit, what is it? It's like Mercury Rising or like Red Mercury or something like that. I can't remember what it's called. There's another really good movie with Bruce called uh, Jackal where he plays an utterly unhinged assassin. Um, yeah, lots of movies. It was like Bruce and like Arnie. Those were like the two of my yeah, dad's faves. For sure. Not All a right. Stallone guy, my dad. Oh, really? Not a Stallone guy. Huh. I wonder. I wonder why that is. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> oh, no. It's all good. Um. So then John McClane befriends a Twinkie-loving L.A. cop, Sergeant Powell. Carl Winslow. Yeah, made by Reginald Vell Johnson, which sounds like a name you come up with on the spot when you're trying to lie. <laughs> <laughs> what, so what is your name? Um, so Reginald Vell Johnson? <laughs> it sounds like two kids in a trench coat. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he, you know, he then went on to be Carl Winslow on Philly Matters. And oh. He, why did I think this was after Family Matters? Oh no, this I think he was you know, Carl Winslow like the next year or something like that. Huh, look at that. And there then he go. did it did it for a long time. Yeah, he's like, you know, the T V dad. 
Were you I a th- Family Matters person? I watched it when I could. Um, yeah, I really liked the concept, and it was really funny. Um, I remember I actually have some trauma from there's a Halloween episode where they do like an Urkel a dummy that comes to life for like a, oh, yeah, for like yeah, yeah. a, a yeah. Halloween episode and I I got scarred from Night of the Living Dummy on uh Goosebumps? Goosebumps, yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah. So like anything even close to that that I ever saw as a child like really fucked me up in mm-hmm. that. That episode, I watched that like alone. <laughs> like, Dolls are scary on a Friday night. <laughs> yeah, like when I was like I don't know nine or something. Oh wow, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, it was rough. Um, and then uh, yeah, the cast is like relatively long, and I don't really know much of most of them are not notable. Most of them, but uh, some honorable mentions. Paul Gleason plays Deputy Chief of Police Robinson, Fuck who plays, guy. yeah, he's he's really annoying, but he plays the same exact uh, power-tripping piece of shit in The Breakfast Club as Principal Oh my god, Vernon. yes he does, uh-huh. If you mess with me, you get the horns. Yeah. That's that, that guy. Okay. He's, re- he's really good at being a guy who sucks. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's perfect uh-huh. at it. In fact, I read that Roger Ebert gave this movie a bad review because of this character. Interesting. He said that the character was not needed and it it, it impeded the uh, progress of the movie and it would have been a much better movie had he had not been in it. Completely kind of on on topic, but off topic of this movie, uh, just Roger Ebert. Roger, uh, he wrote... His review for the movie Armageddon. I've not read the whole review. I've just heard excerpts. But my God, does <laughs> I can't he imagine. fucking tear that movie apart? Incredible. And it is exquisite. And that's all I have to say. <laughs> I love that. I love. It was that. very cathartic because I don't. I didn't like that movie very much. So sue me. And then uh, Clarence Gilliard Jr. plays bad boy tech bro Theo. Um, I liked him, and he <laughs> I the, loved him. He was so cool. And then I wanted to bring him up because he's been in like lots of notable stuff. He he played he played the character Sundown in Top Gun, and he also co-starred in Walker Texas Ranger as James that, Trevett. Mm, okay. Yeah, he was like. Do you say so? Right next to. Uh, Chuck in. Yeah. Remember those uh, Chuck Norris jokes were all the rage back in the day? Yeah. Now he's just like a right wing. Oh, is he? Not fun guy. I have. I mean, that doesn't surprise me, but I haven't heard a whisper of him in probably 10, 15 years. They tried to like, they they tried to reboot that television show and it was just called like Walker and it was like him as a young person. I don't think it did very well. Mm. He that wasn't sounds- in it, but yeah. Yeah, sounds dumb. And then, oh, he also, um, Clarence was in the Left Behind movie. Um, and on a dark trend of people playing in this movie he passed away last year at the age of 66 yeah man you said while we were not recording that like unfortunately a couple people in this movie have passed away didn't know it'd be one of him i didn't know it'd be him 
Yeah, and they're it's crazy because they're all like the same age. Yeah. Like Alan was sixty nine. Well, Bruce Willis is currently sixty eight, but then uh Gilliard passed away when he was sixty six. Bruce Willis is I just need to be clear. Bruce Willis is not dead. <laughs> no, he's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um so the movie was released July twentieth, nineteen eighty eight, alongside Ooh, summer, summer blockbuster. Hell yeah! Alongside Caddyshack two, Short Circuit <laughs> two, Phantasm two, and Who Framed oh Ro- Who Framed Roger Rabbit? One. Oh my god! I'm man. Keep in your production notes. Keep doing. I really like how you contextualize like when the movie comes out because it's it's. It's both very funny and also very informative. <laughs> I know it. It was actually cool checking out like all what had been coming out around that. I did not recognize a single movie except for the ones that I mentioned. That's why I mentioned them. I'm, you know, I'm sure people. I have mean, seen. I didn't know any of them except Who Frames Roger Rabbit, Caddyshack. I mean, I know they're, Caddyshack. They're I all didn't sequels. know it had a sequel. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know they had sequels either. That's <laughs> so the far. golf movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I. Never uh, seen it. I, uh, I mean, I know Phantasm like is a series, but I guess the other guys came out. I've with never it. heard of Phantasm. What is it? Oh, it's a horror movie. It's really good. It's a. It's if about you say this. So. <laughs> it's about this like creepy um, guy who looks dead who lives in this mansion, and like kids go snooping around, and then they break in, and like he has this device that like flies through the air, and it. It gets you in the head and then it drains you and it's uh oh it's pretty good oh but anyway <laughs> enough about that uh, yeah. um so they made the movie on a budget of 28 million and then they grossed 83.8 million worldwide hmm. Suc- success um wild the budgets movies had back then yeah and then they shot it in a real building in the Fox Plaza in L.A. Um, oh, that's fun. Which was interesting because it made it really hard for you know all the special effects. It's obviously an action movie. There's lots of explosions and stuff, and all the explosions were real. Like all the all the explosions outside of the building were actual. Um, and it's funny because some of the floors in the building, there were companies still conducting business while they were filming and then they had to start filming after hours after receiving a bunch of noise complaints you know, so people <laughs> shooting off guns and yelling and um and it's yelling like, fuck yeah over and over <laughs> yelling yippee kaye um and you know all the the guns were real and they you know they rigged them with like exaggerated blanks so uh-huh. that there was more visual effect and there was more sound effect so one can only imagine trying to um, read through your legal documents a few floors below <laughs> literal gunfire. In, oh, you know. boo-hoo, lawyers. <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't know about you, but the movie was two hours long. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it did feel two hours long. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree and I don't agree. I think it, I think it, I think the length of it is, like, for instance, 
just another it's just top of mind because it's also a bruce willis movie armageddon is two hours and a half and Mm. that feels like a fucking eternity so like this i don't know it didn't feel as bad as that i will say i think that they they progressed the story like at a pace that felt right and i was thinking about it like what would i even would have cut to make it shorter and really the only thing I can think of is like the weird like news anchor shit and like I the whole hated that guy. And like all the stuff with like the the journalist who's like really eager to to get out to the scene. It's like I don't How know. How he that. threatens deportation to that one to the to oh, the Oh yeah. The that shit sucked. That Jesus was awful. Christ. That all that shit, take it out. Save us twenty minutes. Yeah, we don't like, we don't need I, it out. I, I was like, good fucking lord yeah that sucked super hard (laughs) that was very annoying but anyway that's most of what i've got okay um well we can we can roll into the movie then uh let's let's take one more break okay and then and then we will roll into the rest of the movie please stick around to the end my god (laughs) we'll be right back and we are back now we are going to slide into this as andy mentioned two hour and 12 minutes 11 minutes I don't know. Long movie. It is and and also like notably long for an action movie. Yeah, which, that's like, true. Some action movies are some action movies can be longer, like especially in like now like the uh MCU age, most of those movies are at least like two hours long. Most of them are like two hours and a half long, but like you know, when I think of an action movie, I'm thinking of like an easy breezy hour and a half, you know? Yeah, if you have to accomplish like a lot of story and like, yeah, you know, piecing everything together, then I can understand why you need to spend time doing that. But with a movie like this, it's like they're just running and shooting and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And that's why it's kind of like, whoa, this is <laughs> two hours and 12 minutes. Like, uh, I just watched uh, the new David Fincher movie, The Killer, uh, which is excellent, by the way. I really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. That movie is, is, I think, shorter than this. It's like an hour and 50 mi- minutes, and it has a bunch of character work in it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of interesting. But um, So we asked the really important questions here. I'm burping again at Commando Prompt Media about we burp. movies. We <laughs> And my first my first question about this movie is, which terrorist did you like the most? Well, I also, mean, would you call them terrorists? Oh, I'm glad you asked that question because I don't think they are. They're thieves. They are. You know, it's 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 a heist movie, which I did read. Yeah. I read that the director actually wanted them to be like literal terrorists, but then he made their goal money to like soften the whole plot because he wanted it to be like uh like you you said earlier like oh whoa it's like a summer feature it's like that's literally why he changed it from 
he wanted it to be like a fun a funner movie more fun or movie yeah please don't say funner my god <laughs> it's not a word andy i know i, was, I said it on purpose um yeah 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 right <laughs> um <laughs> you're fucking stupid like like you would I'm so sorry <laughs> Um, but yeah, I didn't think they were terrorists because of the fact that they were just trying to steal money. Um, you know, if, if it were like more of a political thing, then, then yes, I would consider it terrorism. But, um, I mean, obviously like just killing people willy nilly is not a good thing, (laughs) but, um, but I remember, okay, let me say the one thing real quick. Um, sure, I, yes. I remember when um, Bruce kills. Should I call him Bruce or should I call him John? I'll call him John. John. I'll call him John. John kills the the henchman and sends him down the elevator for mm, the others mm-hmm. to discover. And to me, that for just being some random NYPD random cop, yeah. He that that's like a super psychopathic thing to do, and I, like I'm so happy you brought that up because if we're comparing, like obviously, like he's there and these people are bad and they're doing bad shit, but like if you're just some cop and you're just like, oh, I'm gonna send a dead body down the elevator and write on his fucking shirt, like that's cr- in- that's crazy, right on his shirt in what I'm assuming is blood, but isn't. Just perfect penmanship. Yeah, he has experience with that. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm really happy you brought that up. So, first off, very quickly, um, the reason why, like, there is a there is a point in the movie talking about talking about the guy who is the uh, the the journalist fucking idiot. Um, there is a part where he is he's doing his first like coming to you live blah 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 and he's like and he says something along the lines of like unfortunately Los Angeles is now amongst the many places in the world that is is now like home to like something something along the lines of like terror like terrorist activity mm. and I thought it was a really weird line yeah um and i mean forgive me i'm not very familiar with like the political landscape of like the 1980s um so maybe there's uh, obviously there's probably something going on i mean 88 like that is getting towards the end of like the cold war uh and like the berlin wall coming down and things like that um but I just thought it was like a very peculiar line to kind of shove in there in the middle of a movie that is like pretty not political. Yeah. It I I was trying very hard to like figure out if there was any relation to anything specific that was going on at the time. Yeah. And and I think we just have to come to terms with that that they weren't trying to say much of anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I truly don't think that there is anything else going on in this movie except like hey germans they're a pretty neutral terrorist right we can get behind this let's kill them i honest i think that the like with like all the james bond villains and stuff like it's it's so funny to me that we always pick like 
our country's like uh, opponents, like who who were like up Russian, against, German, yeah, Russia, yeah, exactly. It's always one of those. <laughs> uh huh. Just pick um, and 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 I'm also happy that you mentioned like the whole thing where him where he sent that dead body in a chair down an elevator shaft. Because I was like, when watching this movie, I was fucking shocked that he was so willing and ready to kill this man. Um, and not only that, but strangle this man down a staircase. And then, like we said, right, ho, 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 now I have a machine gun in what is, a su- it, like, it, I guess, blood on this man's sweatshirt. Yeah. It was really weird. It's because t- then a couple minutes later, a couple terrorists walk in on him, and he goes freeze, and he's like trying to get them to drop the gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> John McClane, he's a man of multitudes. He is. Yeah, he's very confusing to me. So he does mention in this. It, okay, it was it was a, a precursor to the standoff that he has with that particular character. He says. Um, he's like, oh, you you won't kill me. You're a cop. You have rules. And he's like, yeah, my sergeant keeps telling me that. And he's then he beats him up. Um, yeah. So clearly he has a history of violence. He has probably anger issues, I would assume. Um, which is the worst kind of cop, a person you give a gun. Um, but he's like very aware of his anger. How do you mean? So, uh, the part where it's like the, the biggest part of John McClane as an action hero is he's constantly his inner dialogue. We hear it because he's always talking to himself. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Um, and when he is washing up, when he first sees his wife who, you know, we're given like small context clues that they're having a hard time because his wife is not using his last name. She's using her maiden name. Right. Um, and they have their first like little argument and then she's kind of pulled away. He starts banging his head against the wall and he's like, good, good job, John. That was, that was, that was great. You handled that really well. Like, right. Obviously yeah. beating himself up. Yeah. So he is aware of his toxicity, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that's also um it goes to show like when he like I mean, I don't know, man, like uh, <laughs> it's like goes back and fucking forth. Like uh so he does this like heinous thing and then, you know, like when the boss gets killed, he's like, "Oh my god. Like I should have went in there, but then I would have died." So it's like Oh, Takagi. Yeah, like um I don't know. I guess my, the point I'm trying to make is like he he does have he is shocked by death, but then he's also just like he's fucking fine with it. Yeah, he's like not at all shook yeah, it's, when he's taking someone's life. That's a really good point. It is kind of like it's kind of whiplash cuz he goes from like basically defacing a body. <laughs> that's like to... the first thing he does. Yeah, and he's very quick to do it. Um, I should add. Yeah, and then he goes from that to trying to get one of the terrorists to lower their guns, and it's like, oh, now you're deciding to like 
yeah try show and mercy. de-escalate the situation yeah um yeah no i'm 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 glad you brought that up but you didn't answer my question which is which terrorist do you like the most well it's obviously alan rickman um oh interesting okay well who would yours be i feel like Mine is, and I don't know what his name is because most of them are in given names, and I'm sure they have names like within the script, but um, it's the guy that looks like he's in a new wave band. He's wearing a turtleneck, and he has like a plaid uh, overcoat on, and he has long hair, long brown hair, um, and he dies really unceremoniously, <laughs> uh, but I loved him so much. <laughs> I wait. How did he? I'm trying to figure out who this guy is. He dies. Um, you know the scene where uh Hans is confronted by John, and John doesn't know that it's Hans because they've never seen each other before. Which I thought. Oh, was like, I I think this part is actually pretty cool. That's my favorite moment. Yeah, it's really fucking cool, and it's like really smart. Mm-hmm. Um. He gets unceremoniously just blown away by uh, John's machine gun in that moment when he's ambushed. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And that's honestly, he's my favorite because like aesthetically, I'm like, if I was a thief, I'd probably dress like him. <laughs> yeah, just like a chill guy. Um, But also like, I fucking love Theo. I think he's so fucking funny. Oh, uh, just yeah, like he rules. His like, <laughs> he's so he's psychotic mm-hmm. because he's just like laughing about all these people being killed and like all these cops being killed. But he's just like his energy is so funny to me. Yeah, like every time they like uh they they shoot to him and then he just like makes a joke uh, on the yeah. on the walkie talkie. <laughs> um like my uh and this this used to make me and my brother laugh so bad but when they shoot that huge ass bazooka that they fucking have to drill into the ground at the tv he goes and the quarterback is toast (laughs) that shit used to make me laugh so bad yeah that was perfect um yeah he has like he just like has like really good delivery 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 um, mm-hmm. And he's also, I wish he was utilized more because like he's actually like a very interesting bad guy, mm-hmm. but he's the hacker of the group. And my God, the 80s hacking in this movie is so good. Mm-hmm. Just people just didn't understand what technology or computers were. And it's amazing. Yeah, I, I was thinking about when he's explaining like how much time it will take to do all the hacking I was wondering, like, I don't, I'm not like a computer guy or anything. I was curious if, like, the the terminology he was using, like, means anything at all, or if it was just like, these sound like computer words. We're gonna throw these in. He's using like what could be described as like at the time was called like basic. Mm. Um, it's very, very like, and again, this movie exaggerates its technology. Big time, but it's very rudimentary, like coding language. Mm. He, he says, uh, 30 minutes to break the codes, two to two and a half hours, biochemicals. And then he says, um, the seventh lock is out of my hands. But then it's, yeah, apparent- but, 
But then it's like he he does like uh he's like drilling with like a laser beam th- yeah. through the physical locks. They don't really and maybe you paid attention to this more than me, but they don't really describe why the seventh lock is so difficult. I mean, they do kind of talk about it with Takagi with like I guess you need like a specific like ident number or something. Mhm. I don't know. This movie's rules are loose at best. And that's why we love it. That's what I'm, I was just about to say the same thing. Which leads me to my next question, <laughs> which is a little more heady than the first question. I started I started off with a fun one. Okay. Um Let me have it. You know, we were talking about this you were kind of like talking to me about this movie about like you were trying to like form some sort of not connection, but like maybe, you know, maybe there are underlying themes that you're not seeing. Um, and honestly, I don't think there are. But what is what does the action do for you? In general, what is well, yeah, what does it do for you? And then I was going to say, like, what is this movie being set during Christmas do for you? But that you kind of already answered that question. But like, yeah, like what is this is an action podcast and this is like kind of as action as you can get Mm -hmm. uh, at at least at the time Mm -hmm. but yeah well so i watched this with my roommates and they are not huge action people i was gonna ask you also said when you finished the movie rick said i did not like that and i want to know why i think (laughs) i think because a lot of action movies, and this is not the case for all of them, but for a lot of classic action movies, there's just like a lot of machismo and a lot of like just running around, shooting, yeah, jumping, stuff like that. And like, if that's not your thing, you're just not going to enjoy yourself. Um, and this movie does a lot of that, but. I think it's saving grace for me and people who maybe would have similar um, critiques would, would be that he, I like John's character so much in that he's not a stereotypical like action guy. Like yeah. in, in, in a lot of movies, the hero kind of like gets stronger as the movie goes along like yeah. you know like accomplishing all these things and leveling up per se but he's very much just like a man and he's very he much He gets beat to shit. He does and like and it's I wouldn't say the movie's realistic by any means no. cuz there's no, like No 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 no. A lot is left to chance, you know, like how many times can you pull a gun out of nowhere and get the shot off before the person pointing the gun at you can pull the trigger? that gets old for me and um you know just like flying fall free falling and ca- latching on to surfaces <laughs> you know like like without yeah falling to your death which is pretty easy to do um but like for him like i th- like they write it into the movie his character is is like losing blood and losing steam he's losing energy he's losing hope like think like towards the end when he's so he just gets and like, i mean like a cool part that they run into it is that he doesn't have fucking shoes 
and yeah and that's yeah, yeah. and like that's such a cool practical detail or it's like oh no i don't have shoes but he can still like persevere and overcome i don't know i i'm kind of going all over the place now but i, I like talking about like the shoeless part because it is like such a huge detail in it's, the movie it's, a, it's like a vi- like and yeah because, it's like a huge part of why I think this character resonates with a lot of people. Because he can, being shoeless is like to his advantage sometimes because I think he can like sneak better. But then, yeah. But like, but then, you know, if there's just like. Even though he's always talking to himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then at the same time, like obviously it's it's a huge detriment because, you know, if there's if there's broken glass, broken shit everywhere, you can't get around. And um yeah. So, so I guess my point was like, there's a scene where he's in the bathroom and he's he's pulling the glass out of his foot, and he's like, almost Oof. he's almost giving up. Like he's he's talking to his pal on the walkie-talkie, and he's you know he's he's doing the whole like, tell my, you know, this is the exaggeration, but like tell my mother I love her sort of situation. Like, yeah, tell yeah. tell my wife, and you know, and he he you know he he's a that gesture is saying like i'm probably going to die yeah so please pass on this message for me and then the scene after that where he's walking into the room and um you know his they discovered that his wife is connected so they can use her as leverage yeah and um uh head villain i'm I gotta get better. Hans Gruber. <laughs> Remembering everyone's names. Hans is like holding her and he, he walks into the room and he's just like bloodied up. He's limping. Oh my God. And that movie, that moment, both I'm like, hell yeah. And also I laugh so bad because of the way he yells Hans is so yeah, fucking yeah, funny yeah. to me. Um, and then also he has like a really great line in that movie. He's like, where he's like he sees them stealing the money and he's like so this is what it's been about this whole time yeah it's like seriously guys <laughs> like he's like i've done all this shit because you guys are thieves yeah like come on it's like people are dying for money but i think like you mentioning why rick and monique didn't really like it honestly kind of like puts into words why i think i wanted to do this podcast to begin with uh because like people recognize i think the action genre as being you know over uh, overly machismo having like toxic toxic masculinity sexist just having just like being guy centric and i think obviously this movie is but like there's a lot more to i think action movies uh than that um and i think that's why i kind of wanted to explore it and also to kind of deconstruct the ones that are overly macho Mm -hmm. um so I'm happy, like, I'm happy that they kind of, like, pushed back on the movie, which I can, honestly, I completely understand why. I think in terms of action movies, this this movie has aged fairly well. Um, like, for instance, I, I rewatched 
Predator maybe a year ago, and that movie did not age well at all. Hmm. Um, there's a bunch of stuff that is like, whoo, daddy. Um, and like this movie doesn't have that much bad stuff. There is like the shitty part with the journalist wanting to deport that poor woman that made me very, very mad. There is the whole sequence between uh, Pal and John where he's talking about how he shot a kid because he thought the kid had a pistol, which is very... um, That made me feel a very uh, specific type of frustrated. Yeah. Um, Just given, you know, things that have, you know, George Floyd everything that has happened recently how much cops abuse their power and also because this movie is literally centered around a cop yeah i think Um, i think it's another reason why they didn't didn't like it so much because it was just like oh wow that was that was like very pro cop and the cops do save the day which i get it's yeah (laughs) i mean like there is like no critical look at law enforcement at all at minimum there is kind of like they make fun of the fbi guys yeah like at the end of the day the cops are the smart ones i think that yeah they were trying to hone in on the idea of like you know using your street smarts and listening to your intuition and like yeah you know the guys over on capitol hill like they don't know what they're doing (laughs) Just a couple. I was I was hooting because I think it's very funny that the two FBI guys were both Agent Johnson. I think that's that was kind of funny. funny. That was perfect. That was so good. Um, and also they suck so bad. So when they die, it's just like, yeah, y'all deserve that. Yeah. Um, what was your uh, what was your favorite uh, John McClane line? Um, I really liked, um, <laughs> he goes, uh, hey, we'll head to the coast. Yeah, we'll hang out. It'll be a great time. <laughs> yeah. Come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. Yep, yeah. I love that. He's just so mad. Yeah, you know. <laughs> you really feel for him in that, in that part because he's just like, man, I didn't sign up for this shit. Yeah. And, and. That's the whole like that that's the whole crazy thing about his character is like he's just he's just a policeman. But like all the shit he's doing is insane. He's never done any of this before. No. It's so crazy. And which is it's like it's kind yeah, it is kind of wild because like when he kills that first dude it's like, "Oh, he's done this a lot." Because maybe he has, we don't know. <laughs> he handles that motherfucker swiftly, <laughs> <laughs> like, and like, and also, I kind of like that they emphasize. Or they don't really emphasize it, but they they subtly nod to the fact that Bruce Willis he's not the tallest person, sure, like, especially in comparison to kind of Hans's right hand guy Carl, the big blonde oh, yeah. dude, which. I mentioned to Andy before we were recording this. Unfortunately, that guy also passed away like two years after the filming of the movie. Oh, shit. Um, but yeah, like Bruce Willis, is, Bruce Willis is like much smaller than that guy. That guy is huge. And like 
the last fight scene between them is like it's tense as shit and 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 I mean you kind of do take into account that uh John is a little bit outmatched for mm-hmm. this guy but you know he does kind of he he holds his own for sure he pulls a quick one on him does the old he, lasso noose trick <laughs> and he just he keeps on pulling quick ones on on these motherfuckers yeah, yeah. every step of the way it's 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 insane to me honestly the i mean your favorite john mcclain line is also my favorite john mcclain well i should say one of my favorite lines is when he gets he gets a hold of the walkie-talkie and he's starting to talk to the cops and the cops are like hey this line is reserved oh yeah 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 he's only and he goes no shit lady does it sound like i'm ordering a pizza dude and i was like hell yeah he has all these lines that are like you know on paper funny but like i think maybe it was more of the time like like they're they're like so good but also so cheesy as fuck like oh my god they're so cheesy but it's like the best <laughs> um but like he plays them really well like again yeah, yeah, yeah. bruce willis is a good actor it's just like that like one-liner shit from yeah 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 this movie is just full of one-liners it's so good uh, um there's sorry, oh i had a, i had a follow-up john mcclain quote where he it's when um hans you know he's pretending to be a friend and then John gives him a gun and then he like points it at him and he's talking in German on the walkie talkie and you know at that point we're all like yeah yeah we know we know mm-hmm, he gave him mm-hmm. an unloaded gun and he tries to pull the trigger like several times and then he goes no bullets are you fucking stupid Hans like he... <laughs> I didn't say that right that delivery was bad can I try again he go, he go, he yeah, goes he like shoots it he goes what no bullets yeah 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 are you fucking stupid Hans that's oh, so good. I love that he's just like he's talking to like Hans like holds himself as this very like yeah. austere kind of like the way he views John is like he is beneath him. Like he is this world class thief that mm. doesn't have time for people like John. And John is this cop who's somehow managed to survive this long um i mean i also think it's it's, sorry go well that does contribute to kind of this like running theme of like almost like classism like blue collar versus like what i I wouldn't even call hans like white collar but like you know what i mean like there's this scene earlier where he he like makes this quote about um uh, Alexander the Great, like, um, oh yeah, 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 crying because there's like no more, um, you know, land to to conquer, and he's like, oh, I, you know, one of the benefits of being a, a, you know, class, like being into classic literature or whatever, just being like pretentious as fuck, and like, and then you have you know John like conquering the smart guy, and to be fair, he's he's smart most of the movie like he's john yeah john is no i mean i mean hans is being like hans is very like the whole i mean hans is brilliant i mean his whole plan was like amazing then he gets he gets fooled and foiled by you know the blue collar cop from the beat he was 
Yeah, he was completely undone by the King of Queens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and then Hans has that that uh when he's talking to fucking dumbass Dwayne, and he is demanding different political prisoners to be released. And then he he references some, I think, in, I want to say Canada or Asia, where Carl goes to him. He's like, what? And Han says, I read about them in Time magazine. Yeah, yeah, that was so funny. Um, Yeah, so it's like, it's played to, like, really great effect. Um, And, yeah, both of them are just, like, Hans and John are just, like, they're so good against each other i think Mm -hmm. and i think they're a big part of the reason why the movie works so well is because you have john as the hero and hans as the villain like they just play off each other so well yeah it's perfect perfect match um i can't believe i only well so it's funny like thinking about this movie in the grander context of like the action guy, which is what I was mentioning earlier, especially like during this time, because like, you know, at this time you had, I mean, James Bond, who was practically bulletproof. I mm-hmm. mean, like if he bled, it was at the end of the movie mm-hmm. and it was like from like a fat lip. Mm-hmm. Like he, 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 he was generally like, fine mm-hmm. but like john my man's is getting fucking cut up he's bleeding his feetsies are getting mangled he doesn't have any shoes yeah his shirt somehow goes from like white to brown that was a big point of conversation when we watched it yeah i was thinking about that the whole time i was like i gotta bring this up to andy because it's like <laughs> what the fuck where did he go did he go down a chimney <laughs> Apparently, maybe because it's Santa. Yeah, <laughs> he's Santa. Holy shit! Uh, oh my god, they had. Can I follow up with a quick question? Oh yes, please. Is John McClane Santa and Hans Gruber Krampus? Oh, I saw this right now. Oh no no no! Well, Hans Gruber would be the Grinch. Uh what's the difference? Well, they're just different characters. Is the Grinch explicitly not Krampus? Um, I guess so because he doesn't kill anybody. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the Grinch is. The Grinch has different goals. <laughs> <coughs> the Grinch just wants to ruin Christmas. Krampus wants to kill people that celebrate it. Well, the reason I thought, right? yeah, yeah, that the reason I thought, well. Krampus is weird because it's like a backwards thing. It's like, like if you, uh, it's based. I don't know. It's almost like you have this, um, uh, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you've been cursed, but but the but the but the curse is like condemned. The curse is like when families like hate each other during Christmas. (laughs) It's like so silly. But yeah, like you've been you've been like marked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But the reason I brought up the Grinch is because the Grinch steals shit. So that's that was really the only thing I was trying to say. That was like the only connection. I oh, you're totally right because yeah, the Grinch yeah. is a thief and Hans Gruber is a thief. Yeah, I mean that's that's it. Who's who's Max the dog? I mean, it's got to be the the blonde guy. Yeah, he's a bad dog though. He doesn't. Max know. is a good dog. That's true. Ah oh, shit. Yeah. I don't know. Probably the we'll figure the cokehead then. Oh my god, Ellis. Yeah. <laughs> I was not prepared for how much I would have a visceral reaction to how much I did not like him. I wrote in my notes, he's the only douchebag in the movie. He sucks. Yeah. Everyone else And it's funny, when I watched this movie as a kid, the whole like him using cocaine just went right over my head. I thought he had bad allergies. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, so I thought it was really funny when they sit him down for the like the exchange, and they pour him a glass of Coke, <laughs> and um, you're totally just fucking with him. And like, I initially thought like, oh, that's a nice gesture, but um, I read there's like a theory that like perhaps the German speakers misheard him when they were like, would you like something? And he was like, do you have Coke? And then they brought him Coca-Cola because he's- Oh my God. Which I th- I don't know if that's intentional, but I love that detail if that's true. That's gotta be. It's really good. <laughs> I mean, it was a very mature movie, even for, the- like I was on- honestly kind of shocked. This movie was 88. I was kind of shocked for A, how bloody it was, and B, how much they swore. Mm-hmm. Like watching this movie as a kid, I was like, "Man, this guy says fuck a lot." And I think it might have been the first time as Ethan, as an adolescent, heard "motherfucker." Oh yeah, um, for sure. So it is. I I I wouldn't be surprised if that was intentional. Yeah. I think, but like the genesis of like me describing John as like a guy who gets, I mean, he gets like, he does have the plot armor of like being able to get like being able to get the last word over all these terrorists in a very action movie way, but he himself is getting kind of torn to shreds. Yeah. How do you feel about this movie in the realm of action as a whole? I don't I don't know what you mean. <laughs> what, what do you How do you like How does this movie kind of inform your opinions of like what you think about like action? Well, I've always um taken action as just kind of like I think the basis of action is like watching something that's exciting, like watching a per yeah. a person doing the impossible. And this, this, he definitely does that. Like I was talking about this before, like how, you know, he, who, who in their fucking right mind would, would hang their gun up on the, the door, the window essentially of like an elevator shaft and just hang from this rope with the intention just to like reach the duct i was losing my mind and i was like this is what you come up with my guy 
And, you know, like when he's looking down, you know, like, I don't know, like, I was just like thinking about how he's he's just dangling from this rope. And like, if you've ever climbed on a With rope, full body weight, yeah. Like, if you ever, cl- like, I don't. I was like, does he know something? It's not a rope, by the way. No, it it's is a, a strap. It's a strap of a gun, which is supposed to hold the weight of a gun, <laughs> which is uh huh. <laughs> maybe an eleventh of or a twentieth of like the human body and weight. He just he just so <laughs> happens to be going through an entrance that is like as wide as this gun. <laughs> So, this I don't know if I said this earlier or not, but it's like, you know, you can only analyze so much because it's yeah. it's just meant to be entertainment. Like this is I, this, this is cool. Particular, this is cool. What he's doing that is cool, and yeah, I thought yeah. you know it is cool, and I've always wondered like it's such a action trope, like crawling through the the air ducts of a building. It's like it's such a cliche, and I, I you know I've heard it's actually I actually saw. And I'll actually I'll say more about this in a minute, but I saw some footage of like um like a guy who works in elevators, and like the the title of the of the short video on YouTube was like scene from you know Die Hard, and like it was okay. the same exact size of the duck that he crawls through, like a a man or a, oh, a okay. grown woman could like crawl through it, and I've always wondered is oh, that actually true? Like, could you actually crawl through that? I've always I always just kind of assume like they they're like too small that you couldn't crawl through, but apparently you can. Apparently you can. In some in some in some place. I don't know. I don't know if they're like universal. I'm not like a duct guy. I don't like know a lot about ducks. I always thought of you as a duck guy. <laughs> but uh uh interesting thing about now that we're on to elevators, um <laughs> he he actually when he was on top of the elevator some of those shots were real, like he was actually riding on top of elevators, and apparently it's it's an actual thing. Um, thrill seekers, quote unquote, um, do this. They'll like, you know, you can buy elevator keys on Amazon for like ten bucks. No way. Yeah, yeah, this is a real thing, and you can uh, pry open elevator doors, and when it no fucking way, when an elevator is coming up, you can hop on the top of it, and people will film themselves riding elevators. Oh yeah. my god, you're pissing me off. No, it's a real thing, but it's that's a real thing. It's a real thing. It's called lift surfing. Oh my god, people like fucking just like surf, just do real surfing. Just surf for real. How about that? Yeah. Um. But um, I took some notes on it if you want to hear about it. So it was most popular between 85 and 90 in New York. Um, You're saying it in a very serious voice, but it just sounds like a bit. Should I say it like funnier? Um, No, please continue. (laughs) Get this. At least 10 people died. And fifty people were of course. In, fifty people were injured. Have you heard of this? I'm surprised it's not higher. <laughs> I think it's a very like underground thing. I don't think a lot of people are doing it. Especially those fifty people who did it once and then were like, Oh, I lost my hand. Can you imagine being like 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 the subversive guy in like your parkour group who is like I, I I'm the dude that likes to like you know, like fucking crowbar open elevator doors and like jump on the top of them. And like the rest of your parkour group is like, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> He's like, you guys trying to like ride some elevators after this? 
Uh huh. They're like, no, let's go get some food. <laughs> um, I'm really happy you brought this up. Oh yeah, it's crazy. I was like super fucking shocked <laughs> to find out that this was an actual God. thing. Because my first thought was like, one, is this possible? Uh huh. And when I looked it up, um, it's it is. And apparently people do it as a hobby. It's so funny. That's who could who could say the definition of a hobby? You know what I mean? We could we come up with something. Ho- hobbies <laughs> are fluid. <laughs> but yeah, don't do it. It's dangerous. Yeah, but it also looks really stupid. cool. If if you want to like live vicariously through these people, it's it's on YouTube. Just look it up. Does it look cool? Yes. Okay. All right. You're a lot nicer than I am, so I'll take what you say. Well, I mean, I don't know. Some people risk life and limb for entertainment, for our entertainment. That's true. That's true. Uh, well, I mean, um, Alan Rickman, he was um, in the final shot. He was dropped. Um, oh, yeah. What was it? 40 feet or something? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, 40 feet. Yep, for the final shot. Damn. Um, and it was funny because they, they were like, on the count of three, we're going to drop you. And then they dropped him on two. So they got like a real a reaction out of it. That's <laughs> so the look on his really face was like, oh, smart. fuck. <laughs> it was like, it was real. <laughs> That's actually very fucking smart. Um, That's why movies are funny. They like, yeah, they like do shit to the actors to like get real shit out of them, and then, but it's like not very like ethical. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like all of Blair Witch, to be honest. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm sure that the was entirety of the fucking filming of that movie. <laughs> I'm sure that was very traumatic. I don't see. Oh my god. Yeah. We didn't really talk about that. That's that's honestly I tried to bring it up and then Andrew kinda shut me down. <laughs> he Andrew, if you're listening to this Let's you piece of shit. <laughs> we just want to talk about our traumas, man. Yeah, man. We're trying to fucking we're trying to give the rights back to the workers here. Hell we're yeah. Very, we're a worker first podcast, obviously, first and foremost. And if um, and if those guys could have marched out of those woods, if had they not had been lost, they would have. Cause, yeah, because they had a, they were on the same team until, you know, the man put them against each other. Yeah, you know what? Fuck Die Hard. We're going back to Blair Witch. Right <laughs> we're going back several episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Honestly, like this movie is just like so hard to just like break down that like I on I I don't have much else to talk about it. Um, I don't know. Do you have any like kind of like closing thoughts for this? I don't know. Like maybe welcome to the party, pal. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. If I can find a sound clip, I'm gonna try and edit that into the podcast at some point. Um, maybe. I'm gonna nail him. I'm really gonna nail his ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like maybe Is that fucking is that Dwayne? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if this is their idea of Christmas, I gotta be here for New Year's. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we haven't even talked about Argyle. I know, he was the best. He was sick. Yeah. He was just trying to have a good time. I have finished all my questions, so if there's anything, Andy, that you want to bring up, please. Nothing in particular. I think a thing... So in our break, I was talking to Rick. Uh, I think I misrepresented her her opinion on the movie. Um, she said that she wishes that John and Hans had spent more time together mm-hmm. after Hans pretended to be one of the hostages. And I, I do agree because I, I remember... Like so, we watched this last night. Um, me, Rick, and our roommate, uh, Monique, and when this, when the moment where Hans starts to, um, like he gets caught and he's pre- by John and he he pretends to be a hostage and he's like, speaking with an American accent and stuff, we were all kind of like, "Whoa, this this got interesting!" Like that was yeah. like so clever. But then, you know, the the tension of, like, them testing each other, it just, like, I wish it would have gone on longer. Like, Rick mentioned that as well. It kind of ends too soon. It could have been cool if they would have, ex- you know, explored that more. Like, it's put, the best like, part of the movie, in my yeah, opinion. it really is. I agree. <laughs> so, you know. And it, my only counter-argument to that is that I think it works because it is so brief because there is so much tension between the two of them talking on the radio uh, uh, talking on the walkie so much in between those parts that like once they see each other A like I think that that scene works so well in so many different ways like Han's is like, oh, this is the motherfucker that's been driving me nuts these last couple hours. And then John, it's hard to tell when he figures out that this is Hans because he gives it like, okay, so now I'm convincing myself out of it. It does play pretty quickly because like he does hand Hans a gun like pretty fast um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and as we find out that gun does not have any ammo so apparently he knew that you know this guy is not like what he says he is pretty early on mhm so i don't know i do i i do i do get like wanting to make it kind of longer cuz like it is like genuinely pretty cool seeing these two people that have been like talking to each other on the walkie and clearly don't like each other interact. But the other part of me is like, Oh, it is kind of interesting that they only interact for like kind of a short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything, any other closing thoughts on this seminal action film? Um, it, yeah, you said it earlier. It stands the test of time. It it, think, it did yeah. it, it did age well, and I think it'll be interesting to see how movies like this will exist in like twenty years, because you know, for us, like we were born in the nineties, so this was you know 
we grew up with these kinds of movies. I'm surprised it hasn't been remade yet. That is a good point. Because they remade they did a remake of Point Break. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a is a I think Die Hard is older than Point Break, I think. Um, I think so, yeah. I could be wrong. Um Yeah. The pessimistic part of me thinks that they will try and remake this movie probably soon. Mm. <laughs> and probably try and turn it into like another franchise. Um especially now that Bruce Willis is kind of like officially out of the game at this point. Mm. Um so he can't like he can't come back and do like a last hurrah kind of like how Harrison Ford is doing a, a last hurrah with Indiana Jones. True. Um, although it'd be very fun to me to see a diehard with a 68-year-old Bruce Willis. <laughs> so let's say they did a remake of this like outright. Who, who would you cast? Who would you cast? And by like outright you mean like this movie, like Hans yeah, like, like the whole thing. Yeah, I was actually well, thinking about this when I watched the movie. Who I would cast for each one? Man, I don't know. Who's your John McClane? Who's probably The Rock? No, I'm <laughs> just joking. Don't um, do that to me. Who Who is our Bruce Willis? Exactly. He He's unique. It's tough. That's why we have to do the move. The that's why we have to do the movie Looper. Oh yeah, because Joseph Gordon-Levitt is supposedly supposed to be playing a younger version of Bruce. Will- have you ever? Have you not seen that movie? I've I never thought you're seen the one it. that suggests. Oh man, it's good. Oh hell yeah, it's very good. I mean, I'm a huge like Ryan Johnson guy, but yeah, it's a really good movie. Um. Who would you have be Bruce? Who would you uh, actually? Let me change that. Who would you have be Hans? Hans. Well, I think I'd put Robert Pattinson as John. I would. Ooh. I think he would I, do a good job. I think he would do a good Hans. You think he'd be a better Hans? Not a better Hans, but I think he could do both. Hmm. He's versatile, man. He is versatile. That's true. Yeah, my heart of hearts is because... Have you watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine at all? I've seen a few episodes. Um, I really like that show, mostly because I think Andy Samberg is like a very underrated comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, his His whole bit in that movie, because he works on the NYPD, his favorite movie of all time is Die Hard. Yeah. Um, so I think it would be kind of funny to to cast John McClane as Andy Samberg. Uh, do you think he could pull it? He's not tough. No, enough. I don't think he could pull it off at all. It would, but I think it would be, be so. <laughs> it would be so silly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can't think of anybody. It's, it's a it's a it's a tough movie to recast. You either pull someone that is kind of like, oh. you know, somebody who you could kind of think about in this day and age, or you pull someone completely new. Who's the guy that plays the villain? Oh, fuck. 
I'm gonna totally forget like everything for this, but it's it's that like uh is it the Cohen brothers who made it? It's um there's no score. Same it's, like, it's the um the villain who uses like the cattle gun on people. Oh my god, no country for old men. Yeah, yeah. Who's the guy who Javier plays... Javier Bardem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He should be Hans. He would be a he would if you're trying to go if you're trying to do a remake of Die Hard that has like no humor whatsoever, use Javier Bardem as as Hans. He's very intense. Well, uh, I mean, I guess for the sake of conversation, the so the movie is based on a book, and apparently the book is a similar story, but it's much darker, much more bleak. Excuse me. Oh yeah, did I not mention that? <laughs> no. Yeah, it's based on a book. Where did I write this down? But yeah, it's um, it's a that, book. That's fucking wild. But it's not. It is All a good right. It's not the same name. I'm I'm sure there it's ca- wasn't a book in the '80s called Die Hard. So it came out in '79, and it's yeah. um, it's called Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe. That sounds like a James Bond novel. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's not like beat for beat, but it is it is similar. But apparently, the book is much more. You know, I mean, you know, like obviously the, the movie is it does come with plenty of of humor, but yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm saying. Like, if you do this movie again, you could take it in a way. Like, if you tried to reinvent it completely, which is not unheard of. Like, people did that with. Um, for instance, original Evil Dead is very campy, has a lot right. of humor, and then I heard like this, you know, this remake that came out this year is apparently like super terrifying. I've not seen it, yeah. but like apparently it's very scary. So I'm you could do it. that, mm-hmm. where like this movie is like, yes, it's an action movie, but it's very funny. Not very funny. It is funny. You could just do a super gritty remake. I would honestly love that. I would think like, I kind of would too. Now that I'm thinking about it, if you made this whole concept hyper realistic, yeah, that would be fucking awesome. Like Michael Mann's die. Oh my god, I'm selling myself on this. <laughs> if Michael Mann directed a Die Hard reboot, whoo! How do we? Do you just like send an email or like how do you? Yeah, we gotta, we gotta find Michael Mann's email. <laughs> he's Is like, any... hey, he's like, hey, I just got this email from these two guys. <laughs> now they have this pretty small time podcast. <laughs> Every person I do an impression of has that accent. Yeah, it's... I don't know how to not do it. Can you do a German one for the for no. like to stay on on topic right now? Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know why, like, now I'm, like, clamming up when you're, like, do a German accent. I was like, no, I can't do that. But if you're, like, do a Jersey accent, I'm like, yeah, 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 I feel very confident doing that. I don't know why. It's really funny. I wonder how people feel about that. Like, like they're always doing our accent. You know what I mean? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> they like, gotta be. It's they the gotta one. be all right with it. <laughs> um... Any any other closing thoughts? Make the remake. I really want to see it now. Yeah, oh. I'm honestly I psyched myself up now. 
that that sounds cool. That sounds very cool. I Part of me that. is like Chris Hemsworth would do a pretty good John McClane. Okay. Um, I really like him. I think he gets a uh, a bad rap because he you know he's a pretty guy and he and he did Thor and things like that. But he's actually a pretty fucking good actor. I think Michael Mann should direct it. I'm very sold on that. Um, and I would love to see Javier Bardem play Hans. Oh my god! Boom. And Kristen Wiig plays Holly. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh my god, that's perfect. She's and- also a very good dramatic actor. No, I I could totally see her being like. I'm the boss, but also, like, she has her moments where she's just, like, a little uncomfortable. Yes. And she, like, she, oh, my God, she could be the comic relief, and it would be perfect. She's, like, she's, like, I I don't know, like, she's really good in The Martian, where she plays a pretty dramatic role. And then there's an indie movie that she did with Bill Hader called Skeleton Twins that Laura and I really like. I need to see that. Where, again, she does a really good, like, She's very funny, and she can also be like devastating when she wants to be. Yeah, bridesmaids, and that's it. And and <laughs> and, and that's that's why we do this podcast. Damn, I wish we had like a hundred million dollars to make this. Me movie. too. <laughs> I mean, for a number of reasons. Oh, the the last thing I want to say is that you. Apparently they're um, showing Die Hard in theaters for Christmas, and you can go see it. I was just about to. Um, I'm going to use the this you know this last part of our podcast to like Andy and I are doing our last episode of the year will not be about a movie. It's just gonna be the five things that I guess we liked or loved this year um kind of again sorry go ahead can i talk about my wedding yeah i mean spoiler alert that's probably gonna be one of mine but um (laughs) uh yeah it's just like it's kind of like an extended version of our rec section and we're gonna uh prior to that i guess like andy and i are thinking of doing like a we're we're being funny and we're calling it our stakeholder meeting where we're talking about you know i guess the future of the uh, of this pod and how we kind of want to increase listenership and things like that um but it's going to be super fun we're going to be probably pretty fucking drunk i could only imagine we won't start out that way or maybe we will who knows um but yeah i can imagine it's going to be it's going to be loose it's going to be wild it's going to be wet it's gonna be scary. It's gonna be scary. Um, yeah, and we're just gonna. Hopefully, it'll be like heartwarming because we're talking about just like five things that meant a lot to us this year. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I honestly very looking forward to it, and it's gonna be in person. That's also that's a that's a thing I forgot to mention. You know, it's going to be one of our Andy and I have been doing this show remotely now. And also, I wanted to say, Andy, this is your eighth episode. Oh, wow. It really flew fucking by. (laughs) I wish 
that the stockholder meeting could have been our tenth for a nice round, you know, mm. ten anniversary. But well, it's symbolic because I think Johnny's last episode was the ninth episode, and I think the stockholder episode will be the ninth episode. Are you saying that I'm going to die? Johnny's still alive. He's not dead. No, I know. So I know he's. You're fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Wh- are Are you worried? I don't know. I'm just like coming over to your house, and it's like you know he ended on his ninth episode. Yeah, and no, like, no, no. Just don't is... tell anyone. Just don't like... tell anyone where you're going. Wait, why not? Is, is Rick coming? Yeah, she's coming. No, she shouldn't come. No, I think she's gonna come. No, 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 no. She, 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 uh... she really wants to come. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, no, no, no. That's fine. Mm-hmm. She said she, she said she's coming. So. Okay. No. Yeah. No. That's fine. It's a, It's like on the calendar, so like we can't. Just don't. It. Just uh. Don't charge your phone. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode again. I'm very excited for. For the next one. I hope you're excited, Andy. I'm stoked. Should we try eggnog? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Should we finally, like, reevaluate it? I've been meaning to get into eggnog for so long, I can't tell you. I feel like most people are trying to get into eggnog. That's what I've heard. That's what I've read. It's truly a hard drink to get into. <laughs> <laughs> It's so weird. I so, still don't really understand what it is. Like, do you chew it or like, like, is it like cereal? And also, what's like the liquor of choice? Is it whiskey? Sure. Sure. Why not? But yeah, thank you. Thank you all uh, so much for, for tuning in. We can't wait to, to, to bring the next one to you and then, and then start off 2024 strong with whatever the fuck theme i don't think we decided on what we're gonna do yet but we'll figure it out um and again if you like our intro song it is two mellows the welcoming off of atmospheric uh horror music volume two i'm gonna get better at saying that i promise um and yeah um we love you merry christmas and free palestine love you free palestine 